Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Now, this is going to be a very special episode. In fact, because I was originally going to do a breakdown of some of the cringiest takes coming out of the Ukraine invasion. Uh, but there were so many that were so cringe that I had no choice but to launch my own award show. That's right, guys. Welcome to the cringies. The cringies are going to be recognizing the most cringe takes on the internet, at least about this stupid conflict and all the idiots that have weighed in to somehow make a pointless war, <laughs> a pointless and brutal war, even dumber. Now, before we get started, of course, I want to congratulate everyone on Twitter for completing their master's degrees in international relations and national security. I got mine from Johns Hopkins in 2015, uh, So, but I know everyone on Twitter was delayed by having to complete their PhD in epidemiology. So congratulations to you guys. But now, let's get started with our first nominees, right? This is going to be the All About Me Award. That's right. This is the cringiest take that, that finds an event that is unrelated to uh, the issue at hand and somehow, through complicated mental gymnastics, makes it all about you. And the winner here is going to be, of course, the VIEW co-host, uh, Joy Bayer, Bayer, Beer, or whatever her name is, with her hot take on how the invasion of Ukraine was going to impact her. Let's take a look. Western Europe, too. Yeah. You know, you just, you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of of uh, the pandemic. And now this, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, who's going to, what's going to happen there? Yeah. yeah. Too. Yeah. Wow. That's really sad, Joy. Uh, man, this is levels of cringe it's layered cringe actually which which was really made this the front runner uh for this let's be honest it's this week we're gonna see things are only gonna get cringier from here on in but what makes it so layered is that first off you have the top layer in which you take a crisis of immense human suffering and uh, horrific war uh, and the destruction of people's homes and lives, and you somehow make it about a rich person's vacation, uh, which is just a level of self-awareness or lack of self-awareness that is just truly incredible. It really, I mean, the level of like induced narcissism that you can get. But of course, when you're running the, the equivalent of the world's most popular podcast for stay-at-home moms with kids in their 20s, I mean, I don't think you get to be a stay-at-home mom if your kid's 25, but you know, you still got to watch The View all day because what else are you going to do? But what I will say is that the next level is even better because there's just a total lack of awareness of anything that seems to be happening, right? So do, do you think Russia is invading Ukraine to stop their ascension to NATO because their ascension to NATO terrifies him, right? This is not a hard, this is not a nuanced take. This is something that literally every single YouTube channel, I have cooking YouTube channels that are breaking down the war in Ukraine because, you know, you got to farm this content for clicks. But so it's no secret that Putin is afraid of Ukraine becoming a NATO member. So then why would you worry about traveling to NATO countries? 
They, by definition, are, are going to be fine. And guess what, guys? The Russian war machine seems to have been stopped dead in its tracks by the Ukrainians, who, it's worth noting, are not exactly the most developed nation in Europe. So if you're worried about whether the Italians, right? Now, the Italian military, not exactly known for its fighting prowess, but man, oh boy, the Russians are really taking some L's, and I don't think they're going to be marching on Milan anytime soon. So don't worry, Joy. You can take your cringy. Will it come with an all-expense-paid trip to Italy? No. No, you, you have to pay yourself. But don't worry. Hopefully, YouTube shared the ad revenue of you going viral for your unbelievable levels of cringe. Okay. Let's next take a look at the I'm Helping Award. This is, of course, given to the cringiest person who believes they are trying to help. Uh, and boy, have we all tried to help poor Ukraine, but some of us have been especially ineffective. And for that, we have, of course, someone named Annalyn McCord. That's right, Annalyn McCord is apparently an actress in a old soapy show called 90210. Let's just take a look. Soul-stealing pain that the little boy you must have seen and believed, and the formulation of thought quickly taught that you lived in a cruel, unjust world. Okay. Well, I I actually can't even watch this uh, the rest of the way. But rest assured, in this uh, poem, this spoken word poem that this person uh, decided to put on YouTube, uh, of course, accompanied by their face perfectly made up. I think there's got to be some filter going on there. Decided to post it in which she promises that she would have been a better mom to Vladimir Putin than he received. Which is, again, we get an advantage of several layers of cringe. First off, this woman looks like she's in her f maybe f 30s, 40s. And so Vladimir Putin is in his 70s. He is, he is old enough to be her grandpa, okay? And why this idea that he has not been loved, like, we get it, we get it, lady. You've been to therapy, Okay. We know your parents are the root of all your issues, but in geopolitics, things are just a little bit more complicated, just a bit. And it's not because of Putin's daddy issues. And if you think that it's because you have spent a little too much time in your therapist's office and a little too much time rehashing it with your friends, and you could stand to spend just a bit more time, I don't know, reading a book or just maybe shutting up. Sometimes we can just shut up. Here's why I'm particularly bothered by this is because when you have someone like Putin, right, here, here, dictators, while they are not subject to elections, right, or the will of, of the people generally, they are not operating in a vacuum. You cannot run an entire country or an entire invasion by yourself. Putin did not plan this or come up with this idea by himself. He is surrounded by other Russian decision makers. He has a cabinet. He has generals. He has oligarchs. And guess what? They wag the dog just like the president can is subject to what his cabinet members think and feel just as much as he controls them. So I say this because 
he may not be the architect of this invasion. And even if he was, his mommy's love is not the thing that made this seem like a good idea. And only if you have the shallowest, the, the tiniest puddle, I could spill my coffee on a desk and it would be as deep as this lady's understanding of this situation. But that didn't stop her from writing a poem. And I'll say this, I would never begrudge somebody using the creative arts to express thoughts and feelings, concerns and desires about the world. They don't have to understand it, right? Engaging in creativity is a great way to understand what can and process what's happening in the world around you, especially if you're scared or anxious or, or just confused. But you shared it online in a YouTube video. You put it you, you added subtitles with a really bizarre capitalization sequence, by the way. I'm just going to point this out that I get it. Like, poetry isn't subject to the same rules of grammar. But, but but I mean, look at this capitalization scheme, dude. The you, no, no one will get the best of you. Like, uh, bruh, so early in life, all that is strife. Okay, the, the rhyme scheme is all weird. Of uh, unwritten youth would I, there's the syllable scheme is goofy. This is not great poetry. But again, again, I never begrudge them on their creative arts. But if you share it with the world, you're letting the world dunk on it, and that's what I'm here to do. Or in this case, we're all here to cringe at it. And boy howdy, did you introduce some cringe out into the world? So thank you, Annalyn McCord. Congratulations again for your cringy. It doesn't come with poetry lessons. All right, next up. Oh boy, guys, we I'm I'm excited for this one. This is always one of the best awards at the Cringies. This is gonna be the Cringe in Journalism Award. Oh boy, guys. And I gotta say, this year was tough. This year, I mean this week, this today was tough because man, there is a lot of cringe journalism. And ultimately, what the judges said, and the judges are me and the three chickens, uh, what we agreed on is that, you know what, the whole, everybody, the entire mainstream media gets the Cringe in Journalism Award. And that's, that's not easy to do because Twitter also tries to engage in journalism and to beat them out in terms of cringe is a true accomplishment, but but you guys have done it. And that's primarily because the racism circular firing squad in which everyone accuses everyone else of being racist in sort of everything from very credible ways to vague and sort of squishy notional ways. Um, the, <laughs> the racism circular firing squad is so inaccurate that it makes Russian artillery look like heart surgery. So let's break down just a couple of our cringiest circular firing squad allegations. Starting off with our friend, CBS foreign correspondent. So a foreign correspondent in one of the leading news organizations in the world, Charlie Deagata, said this. Now with the Russians marching in, it's changed uh, the calculus entirely. Uh, tens of thousands of people have tried to uh, flee the city. There will be many more. People are hiding out in bomb shelters. But this isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized 
uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, uh, city where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. So it's partly human nature, but they are not in denial. Oh, guys. Okay. Wow. All right. So let's... Let... Okay. This guy is uh, pretty wrong on a number of levels. He's just... In addition to being a really cringe take, first off, I don't even know where to start. But let's start. Let's start here. Uh, <laughs> civilization just means that you have advanced. You have specialization uh, in roles and urbanization. So, like Mesopotamia was a civilization. That's why they call it the Cradle of Civilization because it was one of the first, right? As opposed to uh, unspecialized roles, everyone being a farmer. Uh, hunter-gatherer society, right? Generally, that is the generally accepted term for a civilization. So, no, Ukraine is not the civilized country. Country, It's one of many civilized countries in the world. In fact, I would go so far as to say they're basically all civilized. They all have at least one urban center, and they have at least, you know, specialized roles. Uh, let's take a look, for example, at uh, I think this is really important. The GDP, list of countries by GDP, right? Let's see how wealthy and European Ukraine is. This is a GDP per capita of $3,700. They are being beat out on a per capita basis by Jordan, a Middle Eastern country, Belize, Guatemala, a country that's almost a failed state, Armenia, Suriname, Iraq. There's Iraq. The country that he said was not, quote, not civilized, unquote. So thank you for that hot take. But we also need to dunk on this absolutely terrible take for other reasons, right? He talks about Ukraine being a relatively peaceful uh, place where war doesn't happen. Charlie, they flew you to Ukraine, presumably from the United States. That's like a 14-hour flight. At some point on that flight, you may have wanted to open Wikipedia or, God forbid, an actual book on the country you were going to cover. Because if you did, you would know that Ukraine has been in conflict, in an active war since 2012, since, the, since Russia, the people they're fighting now, seized Crimea, their territory, and additionally, a whole host of Russian-speaking oblast or states in the east ukraine has been fighting a civil war functionally uh for literally eight years and this is the equivalent of being like war doesn't exist in the united states as michigan wisconsin and the entire rust belt are annexed by canada and the u.s armed forces are in there shooting like you know invading canadians that is how incredibly cringely ill-informed this take is this is so stupid right i'm going to tell you that also, if you've spent more than about 30 seconds abroad, you would know that the, quote, uncivilized Middle East has countries like Dubai, Oman, Saudi Arabia, right? These are places that have huge Kuwait, right? I mean, look, you look at the region of the GDP per capita. Let's let's pull it up here so you guys can see. Yeah, 
uh, GDP per capita, you can see the uh, cringy and broke Middle East shows up in Qatar with $50,000 per capita, right? Beating out Sweden and the Netherlands, okay? You've also, of course, got Israel in the Middle East, 44,000, which beats New Zealand and the UK and France. UAE, 36,000 GDP per capita, which exceeds that of Japan, right? Yes, there are some cultural differences in the Middle East, but boy, howdy, they are definitely not broke. In Ukraine, in contrast, uh, man, pretty broke, right? And let's see, let's see, where do they show up again? Oh yeah, that's right. They are actually, in terms of GDP per capita, below Namibia. Yeah, below Kosovo, which they're beat out by Jamaica, guys. Okay, let's not overstate this. Yes, I agree. A European war of this scale is a rarity. It's It hasn't been seen since the Bosnian uh, Yugoslavian crises and even those weren't didn't weren't characterized by hundreds of thousands of troop deployments and massed armor and air formations yes this is a first world military conducting an invasion which the last time that happened was when the USA just rolled into Iraq 20 years ago and I'll also want to point out that the U.S. invading Iraq 20 years ago also was the largest anti-war demonstration uh, in U.S. history. And uh, didn't really stop people, but man, it seems like those anti-war demonstrators probably right. But that's not, we do not give awards here at the Cringies. Just, we don't give the whole media a, a cringy just because of one dude. That's unfair, right? We're, we're, we, we believe in guilty until proven innocent and so the racism circular firing squad continues apace with the hot take that europe's different approaches to ukrainian syrian refugees draws accusations of racism right what are we talking about well as you can see here's another good one arab refugees see double standards in europe's embrace of ukrainians okay here's my favorite top hit and i want to point out though these are actually well-written articles uh reuters and uh cbc these are actually real journalists so instead of making this a hot take they're saying who sees what arab refugees see a double standard right europe's different approach draws accusations of racism this is not using uh this is using passive language uh, so that you don't know who's doing the accusing. But in both cases, the art, this isn't an op-ed that's not being treated like a fact. It's they're not being treated like opinion presented as fact. But rest assured, your favorite shitty news outlet is definitely going to be doing this as well. And what is the general <laughs> the general take? The general take is this: that in Europe, uh, Europe has said some mean things about. Syrian refugees, uh, and yet has embraced Ukrainian refugees. And if you are, if you have the memory of a goldfish, this take seems like a good one, okay? But as you may recall, the Syrian uh, civil war popped off a decade ago. It's been 10 years that that has been going on. And I really don't think it's fair to say that European countries haven't done their part, right? If you take a look at the UNHCR, let's pull it up. 
you can see that between refugees and asylum seekers, right, different terms that depend on the laws of the country. But you can see Germany has taken in 1.2 million refugees from the Syrian civil war. That's a significant portion of the entire country and something like more than 10% of the total refugees that that conflict has produced over the decade. If you look at other countries, Spain, 150 115,000, Great Britain, 135,000, France, 400,000, right? Even Australia, a country who is not contiguous to any other country, has taken in 50,000. Canada, 125,000 refugees. All of these are pre-Ukraine pre crisis numbers, right? Largest, of course, contributors of or refugees are coming primarily from Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan, and Myanmar. So you're talking about large, large numbers of European countries that have absolutely opened their doors to Syrian refugees. Yes, it has been 10 years. There's also another really important thing to understand here about this crisis is that who hosts refugees? The, the answer is the countries adjacent are the ones that the adjacent to the crisis are the ones that host the refugees, period. This is how it is, right? You can see this by the fact that even one of the largest, the largest hosts of refugees or asylum seekers is the United States of America, 1.2 million, right up there with Germany. I think we may actually just be exceeding them by just a little bit. And that is because the U.S. is proximate to the narco conflicts in Mexico over the past 10 years or so, and the narco-driven conflicts uh, in the Golden Triangle countries, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras. And so if you are a proximate safe country, you will get an influx of refugees. This is just how refugee crises work. People flee with what they have, often the clothes on their backs, and that means they can't catch a flight to the country they want to be in. That's why the largest hosts of refugees are Turkey, Colombia, Uganda, Pakistan, right? Only Germany has opened its doors so much that they have allowed 1.2 million people from non-contiguous countries, countries not even on the same continent as them, to enter, okay? So I, I point this out because, and this isn't me saying that Syrian refugees are treated the same as Ukrainians. I don't know that. There's some allegations that there's a lot of racism in the, especially Eastern European countries that don't want to take uh, additional refugees. And it can be, it's something that is internal to those countries. I actually don't weigh in. And I think there's some merit to, uh, you know, ensuring that you only take as many refugees as you can ensure are safely cared for. But there's an understanding that, yes, you, these countries cannot do anything about Ukrainian refugees. They are going to come in. There's also key differences in that it's easier to repatriate refugees who enter from an adjacent country. This is why most Syrian refugees are in Turkey. The idea, presumably, is that at some point they will be able to return because they are just over the land border. They are in the first safe country they have arrived in, okay, just as the Ukrainians are doing. 
they are transiting to the first safe country <laughs> because that's what you do when you flee a war. You get to the you get to a country where there isn't a war. Anyway, point is this is a really dumb take, right? And it's comparing the a decade long refugee crisis to an immediate one that are just fundamentally different in so many ways. One of which is adjacent to the countries receiving refugees, and one of which isn't even on the same continent receiving refugees. Even this example from the story, it profiles a family who has fled to Lebanon 10 years ago and then has been hoping to get to Europe. So he already is in a country in which is, which is not a war, which is not in conflict, and is hoping to get to yet another country in Europe. And it's not clear that he needs to continue to flee. Again, I get it. I get it. Poverty, an unclear status of residence. These are horrible things. But the question is, does it make you a refugee? I don't know, right? All this to say, right, that the, the media's ability to reduce down nuance to utter nonsense and to unsophisticated allegations of uh, or bias and racism always manage to just remind us that nothing is too cringe for somebody to not give you their stupid hot take. Okay? Now, the cringies wouldn't be complete without at least a based award. And why wouldn't we? course the cringies you can't have cringed without base you can't have light without dark you can't have this random woman without her baby vladimir putin so who gets the based award and i'm gonna say this is controversial this year two based awards i see saying this year like we won't have more cringe coming up in the near future we will it'll take less than a year but we have two winners the first based award is exactly probably who you would give your based award to if you are a sophisticated elegant intelligent listener of this show and that is the ukrainian army that's right these guys showed up to go to bat against one of the largest and most modernized armies in the world in the form of russia and in true based fashion they gave zero f's and have managed to stall out the entire russian war machine allowing them to make zero advances at least in the first 10 days of the war how will things go from here don't know but it doesn't matter these guys came to fight and putin was really convinced the russian government was really convinced that there was a good chance that the ukrainian military would just stage a pro-russian coup or throw down their arms and surrender and to the ukrainians credit they have done neither of those things they have just been fucking with the russians non-stop from partisan units to regular army to apparently farmers with tractors, all of which are happy to uh, just make life absolutely unbearable for the Russian invading forces. Which brings me to the second based award. This is a dark horse award winner, but I think it's it, it's it's a level of based that really shouldn't even be possible. And this actually is the Russian conscripts who desert. Now, I want you to follow along in my argument. You're a Russian conscript. Your life is terrible. Your government hasn't given you a choice. You've been conscripted. 
you're stuck here. Mandatory military service. And for those of you that don't, haven't read a book about Russian mandatory military service, it's horrific. Okay? The dead... Oh my god. God help me. Dedov Shechina is the practice in the Soviet and now Russian military in which first-year conscripts are brutalized by second-year conscripts. What do I mean? Uh, well, it's doing chores to getting your ass beat to psychological abuse, uh, including torture, uh, theft, just having your stuff stolen, uh, and of course, it includes sexual uh, it includes sexual uh torture and other uh, things that are just horrific uh right and of course it can injure and even kill troops uh or traumatize them for life and is a major source of poor morale in the russian military ranks all this to say being a russian conscript is horrible and if the interviews are anything to go by, they also seem comically badly trained. Uh, and I say this because they entered what appeared to they entered a conflict zone riding on top of their armored vehicles, which I don't know. You has if you haven't served in the military, I'm gonna give you a pro tip. The armor only works if you are inside the vehicle. If you're outside of the armor, it doesn't actually help stop a bullet or an IED. Uh, I know that from personal experience, actually. So these guys either are badly trained, which they almost certainly are, because if you have one year mandatory military service, I can tell you I wasn't allowed to deploy until I completed like a year and a half of training plus four years of military schooling plus all the summers. So it, it was or ROTC military officer course, right? You're talking about people who are not prepared for this and hate it <laughs> and so but what makes it based what makes it based is that when they find out they're stuck in an actual shooting war with an enemy that really wants to kill them their incredibly based response is to say fuck this and leave and literally just abandon an entire tank imagine pulling your 20 million dollar tank on the side of the road in a foreign country, it, while you've been drafted into the military and you're so sick of their bullshit that you say, do you want to just say fuck this? And your buddies go, yeah, fuck this noise. And you walk off and like some farmer tows your tank away and you're like, it sounds like a fucking you problem, boss. That is so based, right? To just give the finger to your dictatorial leadership who sent you on some dumb war and just to leave all your equipment behind, guys, that is a level of base that, that shouldn't be possible. It's off the charts. Our base detectors are fried. I have to order new ones from Amazon, and they won't be here for a while. That's how based just saying F this, giving the finger to the entire Russian military, right, as a 19-year-old conscript, and also just leaving your vehicle unlocked, just leaving your tank with the keys in it. That's truly, guys, it warms my heart to know that things can still get that based. Okay, guys, thanks so much for joining me for the cringies. If you 
find some good cringe this week, hop on into the Discord and share it with me. Uh, maybe we'll make a room or maybe we'll just stick it into the gun memes. I don't know, but you guys definitely want to come by and help make next weeks, next months, the next time we see some serious cringe, the cringies successful. Thanks again, guys, and I'll see you in the next one.